Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a good good word right there. This promise was first made to Jacob. Now he's telling the same to Joshua. Fast forward and he says the same to David. And he says the same to Solomon. So that original promise wasn't just for one person because it's a continued belief passed down through time for all. Even into the New Testament, we read the same thing in Hebrews 13.5. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and he doesn't change. So as Satan tries to destroy us, we can resist him knowing that God has a plan and is always with us during the process and is a million steps ahead of Satan. God always has and always will fool Satan. Just as in the birth of Christ, the death of Christ on the cross in which Satan thought he had won, which is what that song, the lyrics, kind of come from. But that celebration was short-lived when our Lord rose again and defeated death and sin for all. Amen. You know, and in our lives, we can apply that same logic. You know, sometimes if you, if you look at our lives from a worldly eye and the naked eye, it looks like we're losing, don't it? You know, it looks like we're from behind all the time because we're getting bombarded left and right. It's, you know, can seem awful. But God has a habit of stepping in when we, time, when we finally get focused on him and coming up and making a fool of Satan. I understand Satan is a created being. He shares none of the attributes of Almighty God. You know, we, we hype Satan up. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, he's a strong, he's witty, all these different things. But we give him a little more credit than what he's due because he's just a created being. You know, he's not God. He don't have the attributes of God. He, he's not omniscient, omnipresent, or omnipotent. So he don't have any of that. That means Satan is limited in knowledge, space, and power. When it comes to predicting what God is going to do next, he has to rely on what he can figure out, what he remembers from eternity past that he dwelt in the heaven as a favored angel and what he reads from scripture keep in mind that the holy spirit does not enlighten his understanding like he does for us amen yeah. satan sees as the lost man sees and not with the mind of christ as we're able to see he cannot pro- uh, properly discern the word of god his insight interpretation is restricted to godless wisdom So what I want you to take away from this is that trials and tribulations of all kinds are inevitable in our life. Look around. If you ain't got any, whisper to the person next to you how you managed to pull that off. And we'll spread that around this room and we can all maybe have puppy dogs and sunshines, right, perhaps? But both small and great. You know, there's small tribulations and great tribulations. Uh... From minor annoyances to life-changing devastation. And whether you're experiencing any of them now, uh, I got a word for you. Fear not. You know, just like we read in Joshua. Fear not. Nor be dismayed. For God is with you wherever you go. Focus on Him instead of our circumstances, knowing that He has a plan. He is in the process of fooling the enemy. Just hold on a little longer. Strengthen us, strengthening us through the fire... And that even though the enemy may be rejoicing and sometimes it feels like there is no end to it, we will come out the other side victorious and silence the enemy for he is already defeated and the king of kings is with us wherever we go. So when you're feeling down and the enemy is roaring and seems like he's rejoicing at every turn that you have, here's what I want you to take away from this. Just look up, smile, 
and give him the finger. Amen. Amen. Um, about the um, the fall festival day, there is a sign-up sheet back there in the back. And if you hadn't been here and helped, you know, we sign up. There's our time slot from 8 until 2. And uh, we set up between 7 and 8, and we'll take it down about 2 o'clock and clean everything up. But, um, you know, we encourage people to sign up, you know, for an hour if you can. And, you know, if you want more, then that's fine. But give everybody time to enjoy the festival and the day also over there instead of the same people working. So I think we've got enough here now to volunteer to help and cover a lot. And so that that's awesome and great that we do. Um, also, we are working toward having T-shirts ready before the fall festival, so if anybody wants to wear them. So Keisha is working on shirts, and so she has got this with our logo on it, and they're going to be this gray color is what we're working on. And so it's just simple. I mean, we need a lot of stuff, and it's got it on the front. Um, and so we'll have a size chart, you know, if you can mark down what size and how many you want by next week. I uh, may even have some Wednesday night. And, you know, these will cost, we don't know, anywhere between 10 to $15 a piece. Um, just so, you know, the church is not going to make anything off of it, just the cost of the shirt and, and Keisha's time, really, I mean, because... This is a little time-consuming. I know Tracy does stuff like this, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not an easy process. So, <laughs> you don't like to. <laughs> but but uh, so we're excited for that. We had not had T-shirts made for the church in a long while, a long while. So it's, it's, it's good. Um, I think that's all the announcements I had. Um, so let's receive our offering. Amen. Yeah. Excited to uh, to be obedient to God and, and do what He's called us to do. Also, if you hadn't seen it on the um, on the announcements, but and I don't know if we got it in the bulletin, but we do have an option. If you want to give online, you can set that up. I know we don't talk about it all the time, but you can go to our website um, there, and and then it will uh, have a little thing up on the left side of the page. You can click on. And it's called Rebel Give. So don't, if you ain't being a rebel by giving online, but it's just the name of the service that we use. But that option is there if you would like to do that. Um, so, so we pray this morning. I'm going to pray for Miss Pat's sister. I know last week we we said that she was doing better, but she told me this morning that she was not doing as good as as she was, and just weak condition. And so we want to pray that God's healing hands on her again. And, and keep her in your prayer. Her name's Sarah. So everybody remember that this morning as we pray. Um, well, all right. Well, let's, let's pray and receive our offering. Heavenly Father, we just love you and we praise you. Thank you for this time together already this morning for your word that's come forth that we can, we can live this life every day not defeated because you've given us a victory over Satan.
And we have that power inside of us when we speak that name of Jesus. When we raise that hallelujah in the presence of whatever is going on. We can know that you're there with us and you're fighting with us and you're fighting for us. And we thank you for it. Now we just pray for Miss Pat's sister right now, God, that you touch her. God, continue to bring your healing hand on her. Father, strengthen her, heal this heart. The problems that's going on, Father, we just ask that you just touch and heal in that situation right now. We thank you for it. God, as we bring our tithes and offerings to you this morning, God, we ask that you touch and bless each and every one. God, it just they just blessings just to rain down on them because we're being obedient to your word and what you've told us to do. We thank you for this time as we go forward that you're with me. Father, as I bring the word that you've given me this morning, that it goes on fruitful ears and, and, and fertile ground, Father, that people will receive and will all leave, Father, changed better than what we come in. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all come ahead. Well, the children can go to children's church this morning. <laughs> I know they're ready for that. And it's good to see everybody. New faces here this morning. Some people come back. We thank you all for that this morning. We, we do. And, and it's just good to see this number here. And coming willing and ready to receive what God has. I hope everybody's come expecting this morning. Did you come expecting the Word? Did you come expecting to receive? You just come because it was just, well, it's Sunday morning, so we're going to go to church. If that's the case, ask God to help you receive this morning. Get everything else out of the way. Let's dive into the Word of God. Let's finish 1 John, the book of 1 John. This is part 12, so we'll be there in chapter 5. And you know, The, the goal is to finish this book today, and we'll move on to something else next Sunday. And, and wherever God leads us, and that's where we're going to go. And, and so... First um, John chapter 5, and we're going to read in verse 16. Also, I did want to say today, everybody knows what today symbolizes, don't you? You know, it's, it's easy that we forget about it, but it's 9-11. So we know what happened 21 years ago today. You know, people lost their lives for, because of evil in this world. And so there's families still mourning 21 years later because they don't have loved ones with them. You know, we don't know that pain. None of us in here is, has dealt with that from that time. You know, we've dealt with the pain of lost loved ones, but nobody that I know died in, in the Twin Towers or the, or the planes or anything. But we do want to remember them when you pray today. Just pray for God's, you know, blessings on them, comfort and, and peace upon them today because I know this day comes around every year and we think about it and, you know, I'll watch stuff on YouTube about that time and different things. But, you know, because it's real, because we lived it. Everybody we talk about, we talked about it last week at work. There's not a person that I talked to that didn't know where they was doing and what was going on when that happened, when they heard the news. So we all can remember to that time because it was a tragic time in our nation. But um, we fought back. And, and in that time, we saw people turn to, to God. A lot of people turned to God. But a lot of people turned to anger also and blamed God for it. But, you know, the churches were, were growing and different things. And then what happened? We forget about it. People get back to everyday life. And then they don't need God anymore because it's not as hard. It's not as hard now. 
And, and so we don't ever forget what happened, but we thank God for what He's done since in our life and what He's still doing and what He's going to do for us. So, so don't ever forget that. And, you know, most of us won't. But, so, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16. He said, if anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death. But I want to stop. If anyone sees his brother sinning, sees his brother or sister, so that's pointing toward fellow believers in Christ. You know, we're all the body of Christ. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord, right? So see. So when I see somebody doing wrong, or when you see somebody doing wrong, what should you do? Should you call me? And say, hey, I saw Jimbo doing some stuff, and this is what he did, and, you know, it's not right. And, or should you go gossip about it? It doesn't say that there, does it? If you see somebody doing something wrong, if we saw somebody robbing a store or, or something like that, most of us would probably take action to stop something bad from happening, Right? So when we see one of our brothers or sisters in the body of Christ sinning, should we just stand back and let them sin? Is that what we should do? No. It is our job and responsibility as being their brother and sister in Christ when we see that doing wrong, and it's not judging. I don't care what people say in this world today, it's not judging. When Jesus said, you'll know them by the fruits that they bear. You will know them. So when we see others doing wrong, it is our responsibility to say something about that doing wrong. Or should we just let them die and go to hell in that sin? Should we let them die in that sin? No, we should not. Even though we, we don't want to because why it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to go to others and say, hey, you're doing wrong and you need to change. Because we take the chance in this, in this time we live in today of hurting somebody's feelings. Of, of saying something, and, and it's the most common thing I hear from people. Why don't you go to church? Well, I got hurt at church. You did. You don't, you don't ever get your feelings hurt at work. Everybody likes you at work, but you still tend to go there for 30 years. But we won't go to church. It's just like the, the excuse I hear numerous times, well, I just can't get up on time. When you get up at 4.30 to 5.30 or 6, six days a week or five days a week going to work, but Sundays we start at 10, and I guess that's early. You know, hopefully one day we'll grow more and we'll have two services, and then whoever can't get up early and come to the later service. We'll have a, a 10 and a 12 service. How's that? But it's just all excuses, but we don't want to say stuff to other people because we risk the chance of hurting somebody's feelings. The truth is the truth. When the truth is spoken in love, then it's accepted different. Besides, you're dying and going to hell if you don't change your ways right now. You're doing this wrong, this wrong, and just pointing your finger at them and badgering them the whole time. That's not going to lead anybody to repentance. And, and so we can do that, but we can do it in a loving way to where we show the love of God through that. Because God never come to us when we, in our time of sin and just badgered us and pointed our finger at us, did He? So when we see someone sinning in the body of Christ especially, it's each and every one of our jobs, not just mine, to go and say something to them for that. We want to put it on the pastor. Trust me, I put it on my dad for years. Daddy's got that. He can take care of it. He's got more patience than I do. 
And he, and he did for a lot of years and still does. You know, I've seen two or three different times to where he's confronted by different things and he handled it a lot better than I would 10, 15 years ago, I promise. So, and hopefully I'll never have to deal with that. I'm hoping. And, and I believe now that, you know, I'm, I have more patience now than I did back then and wiser and I've seen examples and I know how to handle situations. Even though I do still have a temper. I see my wife looking at me. I do. So let's read on. Seeing a sin that does not lead to death. And we ask that. Well, what, what does that matter? When we know we're going to read in a minute that all unrighteousness and wrongdoing sin. But there is a sin that does lead to death as we're going to read on. And we'll talk more about this in just a second. So let's read this for a minute. And he will, and so, sinning a sin which does not lead to death, and he will ask, and he will give him life for those who will, who commit sin, leading, who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. And so I've read that for the past few weeks. I knew we was going to talk about it, and I know that that's talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And you know, it's a controversial subject in in church. Of how do you do that? How does someone blaspheme the Holy Ghost? How does someone not blaspheme the Holy Ghost? Where, when, when do I get to the point to where I feel like I've blasphemed the Holy Ghost? Well, how do, I, how do I know that I haven't in my life before? How do I know that God will keep on forgiving me? I don't know how to answer all that. But I do know, and we're going to read in a minute, if you still are being convicted by the Holy Spirit for wrongdoing in your life, then I don't believe you've, com you've committed the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. I don't believe that. Because, hang on. Let's read right here. Back over, we're going to skip ahead this second, Cole. And then in Matthew chapter 12, and verse 31, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees. This is when he called them, you brood of vipers. And, and because they was telling him that he was being blaspheming for what he was doing. And Jesus sets them straight. But he, he put some guidelines down of how we know we can or cannot blaspheme the Holy Ghost. And so in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31, it says, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. Well, that's good. That's good. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. How do you do that? Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, which was Jesus, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. Now, I know that I'm probably not going to explain this as well as some other people, but I'm going to explain it to where my simple mind can grasp onto it. Because reading this and, and trying to figure out how to explain blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe that someone comes up today, and, and, and I believe it's, it's a learned thing, it's, it's an ongoing thing of the hardening of the heart, to where they're just continually pushing back against the Holy Spirit, convicting them of their sins. And they don't want to take care of it. How long does that take? I don't know. It doesn't give a time frame, does it? said 70 times 7 shall thou forgive, right? So we, we, don't, we don't count every time we forgive somebody, but 
you know, I used to think when I, this was several years ago, and I talked about this, I think, Wednesday night, that I used to think, well, you know, because we, ha- we all, there's not a one in here that doesn't have something that nags at you every day that could, you need to do away with, right? The, there's a weak point in everybody's life, and Satan is just constantly gouging, whatever it is. And it all stems from what we read in First John chapter 2, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of those. So your sin, I'm sure, fits in one of those categories somewhere that, that just seem to, you, you want to do it and not get, you want to get away from it and it's just right there every day and you do it again and you, you say, God, forgive me. And, and so, you know, I would be like, well, God ain't going to forgive me this time. How do I know when I get to the point where God stops forgiving me? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't give a time frame. And, you know, there was, there was times the devil would, you know, try to deceive me and say, well, how many times have you done it? You need, to, you need to multiply 70 times 7, right? And that's how many times God's going to forgive you. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. Jesus didn't die on the cross for 70 times 7. He'll forgive somebody. He said, you come and ask. And, and even John said, and over in First John, over in chapter 1 and verse 9, that, that He will forgive us. Let me just read it real quick. And we'll go back to this. He said, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So why would John now say there's, there's sin that's, that leads to death? If He cleanses us from everything, well, the heart of the believer, the one that's accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, can still turn and go away from what they believe in. I, I, I truly believe that. They can just do away with Jesus. They can say, I don't believe this no more, and go away with it. I think they're lying to themselves because they want to keep doing what they want to do and not follow what God has told them to do. And it's going to lead to that point at some time. I don't know when. Jesus, or John does not say a time frame of when it will, ever, when it will be. I don't, I don't know. And so I'm not here to tell somebody, well, you're doing this, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and you will not be forgiven. That's not me. That's, that's between them and God. But, i got to read this because it's right here, and we're going to read the rest of 1 John, then we're going to talk about this, even though it's not an easy subject to talk about. I would love to preach faith. How's that? Preach faith and trusting in God and believing in God and read out of Hebrews, and, boy, that would just be a powerful give. Get everybody up, service, and we could go on. But this is part of learning and growing in Christ is learning the Word of God and what it means. So, Get back over here to chapter 5, 1 John. So this says, do not pray for that sin. Well, how do we know that they're doing that? I, I don't. I don't know how to answer that right now, okay? But I do know that if I see one of you sinning and doing something, that I should say something to you, and I should go to God and ask, hey, God, God, watch it. Keep them, Father. Keep them right now. Show them where they're doing wrong. You know, convict them, Holy Spirit. Let them know what they do and they need to turn away from. Will, will you turn away from it then? That's between you and God. I don't know. I'm doing what the Bible says and pray for you in that situation. But it's still my job and your job too to call it out. If you see me doing something that's out of line, then it's your job to say something to me. Be like, hey, Pastor Mark, that's, that's not who you're supposed to be. And Gabby does it good at home. She'll get me. So I found, I found this statement doing some research and some studying on this, and I can't remember the guy's name of, of who wrote it, but I, just, I took an excerpt out of it and I wanted to read it. 
says, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is ongoing and hardening of your heart against the Holy Spirit who is trying to lead you to repent of your sin and believe in, believe in Christ Jesus. So it's an ongoing thing. It didn't just start today. It didn't start yesterday. It started long ago, and, and people just keep rejecting. We sit in the world all the time. They keep rejecting Jesus. We keep getting preached to Him, but they keep rejecting it. And, and so it's an ongoing thing, and it says it is an issue of the heart issue of the heart that manifests in one's words and actions. So it's Jesus, what we say a while ago, you'll know him by the fruits. Out of the heart, man speaks, right? So whatever's in here is going to come out here eventually. You're going to really truly know somebody at some point in time. They can fake it for a while. But when hard times hit, you're really going to know who they are through Christ Jesus. And if Jesus is here and the Word of God's here, and what we hear every Sunday is here in your heart, and what you're supposed to read every day, and in your relationship with God, that's what's going to come out here. But if it's not, then you're going to speak doubt, you're going to speak unbelief, you're going to speak all these other things, like I was yesterday in the Bama game. Me and Jimbo was texting. I said, Texas is going to beat them by a field goal. It's over with. And Jimbo was like, I'll oh, just, just give them, be patient, we got the ball. I said, ah, done with it. And so he was right. He was being patient and I wasn't. But that has nothing to do with what we're reading in the Bible, I promise. Oops. Nothing. Someone, let's read this. Someone who hardens his or her heart against the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit and who refuses to repent of sin and turn to Christ in faith has committed a sin that will never be forgiven. Again, when is that point? I don't know. I, I don't know and I'm not going to say. The person who repeatedly and without repentance rejects the Holy Spirit's testimony to Christ is the one who has blasphemed the Holy Spirit. That sin is the only sin that will never be forgiven. And you say, well, God's supposed to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, forgive us of all sins. That's mean of God. In our day and time, God would be labeled mean, wouldn't He? And judging me for what I do. Everybody in the church, all the Christians, are just judging because, you know, they... No, it tells us to call out what's wrong. Right is right and wrong is wrong and to call that out. And to preach the Word of God without apologizing. If you start apologizing for what you read in the Word of God, then you're doing away with the power of the Word of God. So don't ever do that. So let's read on because it gets better. It's not the end of it, okay? I'm not, I'm, we're not just preaching blasphemy of the Holy Spirit today and we're going to get out of here and let you all go deal with that the rest of the week and wonder if you are or ain't. Okay, don't, don't. Verse 17. All. What does that say? All. Unrighteousness. Not some. It didn't categorize besides blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But it's still all unrighteousness is sin. Or other version says all wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin not leading to death. So, what is that sin not leading unto death? I mean, we think of the obvious. So I guess we're good to lie, cheat, kill, kill, destroy, all that kind of stuff because I guess that don't lead to death. I beg to differ. We go back to the first of this verse. All unrighteousness is sin. Romans 6.23, what does it say? Anybody know it by heart? For the wages of sin, it's going to be up there in a minute. For the wages of sin is death. So all unrighteousness is sin. The wages of sin is death. So what sin 
does not lead to death. I don't know. Let's not live in sin. We don't have it to worry about, right? If you don't go to places to where you're going to get in trouble and things are going to bad are going to happen, then you won't get in trouble and bad things won't happen, right? I know not to go to a nightclub because potentially things could get bad and things could happen. Well, how would I get out of that? You don't go there. Stay at home where you belong. And I'm not going there to witness because next thing you know, I'll be dubbed a drunk and be in there doing the rest of the things what they're doing. And people do, and that's great, okay? That's great. But all, wages of sin is death, but it didn't end there, did it? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God. What was that gift? Jesus dying on the cross for our sins because He took the wages of our sin. He took those things from us. And so when we, when we get in that mindset, in that mode, then all the, the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit and what sin's death and what sin's not death, we don't concentrate on those things all the time. We concentrate on the things of the Word of God and what He's telling us and live that life each and every day and not just live in fear. Oh, I'm going to blaspheme the Holy Spirit today. Oh, I'm doing this. Oh, I'm doing that. No, that's not what it's talking about. John's not saying that at all. He's warning them. Just as He is today warning us. So, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Amen. Amen. And who's born of God? Who's born of God? If you're born again believer, you're born again of God. You're born of God. The ones out in the world, because we're going to read that in a second, are not born of God. The ones who have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're not born of God. They're out and and living under the wicked one. I like how it reads out of the uh, message translation. These verses 18 to 19. And it'll be up on the screen. And, and mine says a little different. That says, um, that says God begotten. Mine says God born. Okay? But I like how this reads. And I'm going to say God born. We know that none of the God, we know that no, none of the God born makes a practice of sin. If you're a believer in the body of Christ, don't make a practice of sin. Stop. Turn away from it. Repent as the Bible tells us to do as you did once in your life. And if you're continue to sin and know that it's sin because all wrongdoing is sin, stop, turn away, and come back to where you know you belong in Christ Jesus. He says, does not, he says fatal sin, the God-born, I love this, and that's why we named the title of the sermon, God-born equals God-protected. It says God-born, the God-born are also God-protected. God-protected from who? The evil one, the one that J.J. was talking about. The evil one in this world, Satan himself, we're protected from him because we're God-born. Because we're in him and we know him, right? And so if we're in him we know him and God's protecting us, then why continue to live a life of sin and do things that we know that the Bible spells out plainly that we're in sin? Why do that? Because it's easier. As Pat preached last week, it's complicated, right? It's complicated. Living a life following Christ should not be complicated because it's spelled out in black and white. So God-born are also God-protected. The evil one can't lay a hand on them. Can't lay a hand on us, the body of Christ. Why does it, then why, why does it seem like bad things are happening? Why, is, why does this happen? Why am I going through this? Because we live in a fallen creation. Because we let, we let Satan put his hands on us. We take ourselves out. 
We don't need God anymore. And then we let those things come. And then we try to go through them and we're going through them ourselves. And we know if we'd have stayed here under the protection of God, those things would have come, but we'd have walked through them with Him. Right? Y'all with me this morning? Y'all here? Okay. I need to start, I guess, being more interactive. So, he said, evil one can't lay a hand on them. We know that they are held firm by God. It's the only people in the world, it's only the people in the world who continue in the grip of the evil one. Those who have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. As mean and horrible as it may sound, because we're just supposed to accept everyone. Remember I said a few weeks ago, love doesn't judge, right? As long as people are happy, they can live any way they want to. Whatever lifestyle, monogamous, you know, whatever lifestyle they want to live in, whoever they want to just identify as, we're just supposed to accept them. And I told them Wednesday night in our men's group that there's a church in Australia that said in his pulpit, I listened to some of the service, said in his pulpit that we need to make accommodations for gender-neutral, gender-whatever people, bathrooms, whatever, so they can feel comfortable in church. That is a line straight from the devil. I'm sorry that man is deceived, and I pray that he turns his life toward God. Because nowhere in here does it say that we should make sin comfortable. I've said for numerous times, if you come in here and you're comfortable in your sin, then I'm not doing something right. We're not doing something right as a body of Christ. Because we should never be comfortable in our sin. We should never be comfortable in our situation. We should want more out of God and what He's told us He would do for us and not want to continue to live the life that we're living without God, number one, in it. We shouldn't do that. So, making sin comfortable in church is what's wrong with the modern church today. That's just point plain and simple. There's nothing else you can say about it. You cannot make sin comfortable. So that continue in the grip of the evil one. God-born are also the God-protected. I'm God-born. You're God-born. You're God-protected. Amen? <clears throat> so, let's read on. I think there was a few, there's a few verses that I didn't get too cold, but we'll, uh, it'll be okay. We may read them in a minute. <clears throat> I done got my notes all... Mixed up. I saw it. Verse 19. We know that we are of God. This is from King James Version. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Given us an understanding. God has come, sent Jesus, and given us an understanding of what's right and what's wrong and what we should do and what we should not do. You know, you can you can label it conscious. You know, people have a conscience. People say, I don't have a conscience anymore. Yeah, you do. You know what's right and wrong. There's a moral conscience of most everybody. Even if they've done whatever and in prison, do whatever, they know at some point. It may be laying in bed by themselves at night, but they know at some point what they're doing what they've done is wrong. And they and you know, whether they ever come to that repentance and repent and ask God to forgive them, I don't know. We want them to. We want everybody to come to the knowledge of Jesus and believe Him as their Lord and Savior. That's what we're here for. That's why we're ambassadors. Ambassadors, I heard this the other day, ambassadors to a country don't just work one day a week. Do they? 
So if Jesus has made, and God has made us ambassadors here on earth because Jesus is not here walking anymore and talking and teaching and preaching, then why do we think it's okay to work one day a week as ambassadors of Christ? That should be our everyday goal is to show people that we're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And we're here living and working for Him. And we want to do His will and His work in our life. Just as Jesus prayed, not my will, but thine be Not my will, because what did we read last, last time in, in the first of this chapter? We should, or not the first, but the first few verses ago, we should ask anything of God, right? Ask anything, and He'll give it to us. That all sounds good. Just smiling, great. Ask God anything, and He's going to give it to me. But it doesn't end there, does it? It says when it lines up with His will. That's where we got to be at. So what we always want don't line up with His will, but that's where we need to be, and our will lines up with His. Verse 20, And we know that the Son of Man has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. So we said that earlier. Remember we said a few, several, it's been, it's been a while back. I think I started preaching this on Mother's Day. So that's been a while. It's been since May. And I made the reference to, does anybody remember the reference to, uh, um, to Elf, the movie? Nobody remembers that? Okay. So when, when he comes in and, you know, Santa's going to be there and he hollers, Santa! And he's like, I know him. I know him. So we know, we know Jesus and we're in him. That's what it says again. He says we know him, that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Then He ends with little children or, or listen, you know, keep yourselves from idols. And He just says, Amen. And that's the end of that book. Keep yourselves from idols. It's easy to do today to have an idol, isn't it? It's easy. This can be an idol. I know. College football this time of year can be my idol if I let it. I promise. I'll change attitudes. Quick, wanna? Yeah, I did yesterday a couple times. No, I didn't say anything bad. Gabby asked, "Did you say any bad words?" I didn't say nothing bad. Say no bad words, no cuss words. I promise. I've passed that. And I'm getting upset and why it's a football game and our team and we want them to win and want them to win by 80 every game, don't we? But then it don't happen. But and then we get aggravated and upset. But you know, that can be an idol. Kids can be our idol. Grandkids can be our idol. You know, whatever it is that's at the moment, TV, social media, whatever's going on can be our idol. And, and that doesn't mean we built something up. No, that, and we do figuratively, but that's whatever we put before God as our idol. God plainly says in the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not have no other God before me, right? No other God is an idol. They built idols to different things back then and all kinds of stuff. The sun, the moon, the stars, the wind, the water, you know, whatever. They built idols to them and worshipped those idols and were worshipping those things instead of God and God alone. And we've got to that point again today and we've had to that point for years. But we continue to go over the same thing and we just add new idols. Whatever it is, we add new ones. All right, I'll get rid of that, but then we'll put something else in its place. And just something to consume our time. Something to where, you know, we, we, gotta, we feel like nowadays we've got to be busy all the time. And then we complain about being busy all the time. 
But we got to be busy all the time. So I don't, you know, I don't, I ain't understand that. I'm the same way. I bought golf clubs last week. So I, because I've got time, Gabby said, you got time to play golf. I'm like, well, yeah, I do. Yeah. I got plenty of time in my mind. And then when it actually comes to that, but like, I ain't got time. But, you know, nothing, nothing should we have in front of us but God and His Word, right? That's what we should have in our forefront all the time. So this morning, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't, don't get into the mindset, well, what? you know, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. All this stuff, how do I do that? When, how, yes, you know, my, and don't, don't get into the mindset of worrying about it every day. How, how about this? How about this instead? Repent of your sins. Turn from everything that's wrong in your life, all unrighteousness, all wrongdoing, knowing that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is working and moving in your life and wants you to change for the better because when we change, then all this stuff is washed under the blood, right? And we don't pick it back up. And then we don't have the mindset of, well, am I doing this? Is God going to forgive me this time? Then we don't have to worry about it because we're not doing those things again and again and again. And so I don't believe anybody in here has got a hardened heart. I don't. I don't. I can look and the joy and the smile on your face this morning shows me that you don't have a hardened heart. God has not stopped working on you. I promise. And, and so, you know, don't, don't let those things weigh heavy on your mind but strive to do what the Word of God says. Focus on growing in our relationship with God every day. Our relationship with Him. The only way we're going to do it is spend time in the Word, right? If we see others in the body of Christ that we know are not doing and living the life that, they should, that they're called to live and need to live, call them out on it in love. Pray for them. Pray for them by name. And you may every day pray for them. Pray for them. God, Show them. Show them and, and that they turn from their wicked ways, that they turn back to you and, and stop all this other stuff in their life. They turn from those things and come back to it. That's our job. That's our calling to do. We see our brother or sister in sin. Do something about it. Don't just let them stay in that. And I've been guilty of it, trust me, too many times, of letting somebody by knowing that they're doing something wrong and not doing anything about it. So, so we need to be more bold, and the only way we can be more bold is that the Holy Spirit work through us. So we need to work on our relationship with Jesus, to love others as He does, to serve others as He did while He was on this earth, right? He come to serve. And so it's our job to serve others, <laughs> to forgive others. It's a tough one. We talk about it a lot. You're going to truly love somebody, then you're going to have to truly forgive somebody. Because they don't work one without the other. I'm sorry, it can't happen. You've got to love them, you've got to forgive them. As Jesus forgives us. And build each other up in the body of Christ continually. It's what we're called to do. We build each other up. That's why we come here. To build each other up. To be built up. And to worship God and serve Him in spirit and in truth. Worship Him in spirit and truth. So don't, don't go a day without praying, without reading, without showing somebody the love of God. And it ain't got to be that you talk to them and preach to them. You just show them by your actions and your attitude each and every day and the love of God will shine through. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand this morning.
you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, then don't, don't let the convicting power of the Holy Spirit just push it back. Push it back. Jesus is calling. Right? And so today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you need to make your life right with God again and come back. So as we this morning, altars 